SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. It is the weekend edition and a jam-packed show to get through tonight. And we're going to be chatting rugby in just a moment, but it wasn't a fantastic start for the Stormers. They got absolutely hammered uh, earlier on today by the Highlanders. Craig Gray will tell us more in a moment. In football news, Mamelodi Sundowns had the opportunity to go top of the APSA Premiership. They travel to the Princess Mogogo Stadium tonight to play Le Monville Golden Arrows. The Brazilians are just two points behind Cape Town City and a win against the KZN side would see them leapfrog the citizens. Down skipper Shlompo Kekana says they know what they're after tonight. The stage that we're at the moment, you know, the group points is important. And we, we go in there knowing very well that they, they can be dangerous on the day. So we're going to give them the respect and knowing very well that we really need to win the match. And win the match, we stand a chance. Kikana says he's proud of the way his team has stuck to their guns this season. Well, it's encouraging you know, to see ourselves, you know, uh, after you know the the bad patch that we went through and uh, see ourselves, you know, picking up at the, at the right time. See ourselves there, the top the top two, and uh, I would say it's a it's a moment where we really need to you know to be proud of ourselves or the work that we've put in. And uh, we at the moment we need to you know to finish uh, on the on the high. In cricket news, Proteas, uh, JP Dumini believes that uh, as a team they can win the upcoming ICC Champions Trophy. The all-rounder chose to sit out this year's IPL in order to focus on his preparations for the global showpiece. I kind of felt like it's been a long season and I needed to just prepare as well as I can for Champions Trophy. So that was my main reason for opting out of IPL. You know, Delhi was very accommodating in terms of, of my decision, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, training has been going well. Preparation is going nicely. And I really feel like we stand a good chance in this year's Champions Trophy, so I'm excited about it. Speaking of the IPL and the Delhi Daredevils, they went down to the Kolkata Knight Riders by seven wickets with 22 balls remaining a little bit earlier on today. The day's second match sees the Sunrisers Hyderabad up against the Kings Eleven Punjab. The Sunrisers uh, amassing a massive 207 for the loss of three in their 20 overs. In reply, the Kings Eleven are 26 for the loss of one after 2.2 overs. They need another 182 runs with nine wickets remaining. On to golf news now, and round two of the China Opens concluded at the top win golf and country club in Beijing. Pablo Lazarabal uh, leads heading into the weekend. He has a three-stroke advantage. The Spaniard uh, is on 14-under after a six-under pass, 66. South African's Dylan Fratelli shot the lights out today with a nine-under pass, 63. He moves to 11-under. Fratelli was delighted with his second round. Played quite nicely today and made a bunch of birdies and a nice eagle on 11, but... Yeah, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. I really had a great round today. Fratelli says uh, after a challenging opening round, conditions were a lot better today. Yeah, conditions were easier today. Yesterday we had about a two-club win throughout the whole round, so it was difficult. Shot two under and felt like I left maybe two shots out there, but still was happy with the first round. And today it was just pristine conditions, light wind and cool temperatures and able to fly at a few flags there and managed to execute pretty well. And finally, in some tennis news, Maria Sharapova beat Annette Kontovitz 6-3 and 6-4 at the Porsche Grand Prix quarterfinals as she continues her return to the game following a doping ban. And uh, in men's tennis, Andy Murray, the f- uh, top seed, edged Albert ramos Vinolas 2-6, 6-4 and 7-6 to set up a Barcelona semi-final against Dominic Thiem, the fourth seed. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll chat some Super Rugby.
SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader. And as you heard on PM Live this afternoon, the Stormers getting absolutely hammered at the Forsyth Bar earlier on today. Craig Ray joins us now. Craig, the wheels seem to have fallen off for the Stormers. Uh, another 50 points put past him today. They got hammered. Absolutely got hammered. There's no excuses this time around. Last week you could point to you know, travel fatigue and a bit of jet lag. They had arrived late in New Zealand and had to go to the South Island and there were a few bad decisions that went against them earlier in the game. But today, no such excuses. They were just blown off the park. Uh, when they did have a long period of possession for about 15 minutes in the second half, they used one-off runners. They were so one-dimensional on attack. They couldn't uh, get their you know, play together. They didn't defend well. They were beaten at the breakdown because they don't really have a specialist open-side flank. And they were beaten there. And in the kicking game, the uh, Highlanders were just so much better than them. Great tactical kicking from the Highlanders, contestable kicking. In every department, pretty much, the Highlanders dominated except for a couple of scrums. And there were only about four or five scrums in the game. So it really wasn't a factor. So generally speaking, the wheels have come off the Stormers' campaign quite dramatically. And they look like a team on the verge of implosion. And it's hard to put your finger on why, because... Yeah, they went there on the back of a loss to the Lions, and that loss to the Lions rocked them so badly. It says a lot about their mental state because they had won six in a row prior to that. And the, the irony is in the con- competition structure, they're still top of Africa one quite comfortably, and will still qualify for the playoffs quite easily, I think, because they get a good run of home games and they get back. But uh, yeah, that's not really the true test of where they are as a team, and you see perhaps where they are as a team in New Zealand. Craig, it's, it's interesting you, you talk about the, the, the loss to the Lions maybe rattling them. Do you not think it's a case, I know in the build-up to the Chiefs game, they, they were really focused on that game and they wanted to put right what happened to them last season uh, in the playoffs where they got hammered so badly. Do you think they've almost put all their eggs in that one basket and to lift themselves after that game, they haven't thought further than it and that's what's, uh, what's making them struggle? It's a good theory and I mean it's a, it's a tough one to answer. You, only the people within the team will know but it looks that way, doesn't it? It looks like everything was geared towards that Chiefs game in round six. They knew what was coming. The whole season to that point was geared to that game, and they achieved their goal, and it's like they've gone flat since then. So it's a very uh, valid uh, observation, and maybe one that's worth uh, examining with the coaching staff in the weeks to come, or the week to come. Yeah, I just it, it makes me... It, it concerns me. That Chiefs game was fantastic. The Stormers put up a great fight, and I thought, hang on a sec, maybe we are clawing some way back at South African rugby teams against the Kiwis. But the last two weeks, the Stormers have been dismal, and it just shows you, or shows me, how far how far behind we are from the Kiwis. Yeah, but the thing is that, Brad, in that Chiefs game and in other games prior to that, they really showed great attacking intent and, and great skill on attack. I mean, you don't only have to think of Dylan Lazer's offload as one of the, you know, mm. sort of the microcosm of things. But, but since then, They've regressed completely. Their attack has you know, gone to one-off runners. It's, it's almost as if they've lost all ambition and all confidence. And, and yeah, it's, it's a strange phenomenon. And, you know, this level of the game, you don't have to be a long way off your best. You only have to be a couple of percent off your best, and you can take a big hammering, and that's what's happening. And Fleck, Robbie Fleck, the coach, spoke about needing consistency uh, to really see them, the measure of where they are, and they haven't shown it. That's the, that's the reality. You know, they... They, they beat South African teams in the, uh, and, and, and uh, the Jaguars and the Sunwolves in those first six games. But the, and then they beat a New Zealand team, and I was one of them. I wrote a, a piece saying that proved that they, they, they're genuine contenders because they turned their corner. But they've gone backwards in a hurry. And, um, yeah, they're going to have to arrest the slide, and it won't get any easier because next week they've got the hurricane.
Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about tomorrow's games. The Chiefs, Sunwolves, uh, Chiefs should definitely walk out on that at home. The Reds, Waratahs, uh, another Aussie derby. Those are, are pretty tough. But then the Lions are away at the NIB. They take on the force. The Lions have been uh, pretty good early part of the season. They haven't looked great. I mean, they, they're picking up the wins, but they, they haven't looked great. The last oh, last week, they didn't look great. They, they should they should win uh, against the force. What do you reckon, Craig? They should on paper, as, as always. But it's funny, those games against the force and the Rebels and those kind of teams away from home, it tends to sort of drag you down a couple of notches. And as you say, the Lions didn't look great last week. And, um, you know, they, they, they're a funny touring side too, the Lions, and not great tourists in general. So it's, it's going to be a big test for them. I would say the Lions should win, but they're really going to have to avoid that kind of getting dragged into some sort of arm wrestle with the force and, and, you know, the effects of travel and just playing away from home. It's one thing to play at altitude and at, at uh, Emirates Airline Park, and it's a very different ball game up there playing in Perth. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough one to call. You know, the, the sports have been quite good and, you know, composed and well-organized in certain parts of the game. But I would say the Lions have to win that one. They should win that one. The Cheetahs up against it tomorrow, even though they're home, the Crusaders are looking uh, ominous. Five in a row, the Cheetahs have lost. And, you know, every week, Coach Franco Smith says, you know, the, the the, the, the sword of being axed from Super Rugby is hanging over the team. But, you know, the Kings have got that sword over them, and they won last week in, uh, against the Waratahs. So it's, it's too hard to pin everything on that. But the Cheetahs have led six games going into the final six or seven minutes this season, and they've only managed to win two of them. So they, 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 they're a team that does a lot right and then cracks in the final 10, 15 minutes of matches, and that's probably more mental than anything, and that is something the coach was pointed to. So um, it's hard to see how they can turn the corner, but yeah, a couple of weeks ago we thought they had no chance against the Chiefs, and they ran into a 24-0 lead after 24 minutes. So I would never write the Chiefs off, but you know, even if they get into a 24-point lead, is it going to be enough against the Crusaders who are really rampant at the moment? You've got to favor the Crusaders to win that one, and they've gone with uh, you know, an unchanged team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the Kings uh, back on, on home soil after a uh, tour that I think they'll be very proud of, uh, picking up a, a win, like you said, against the Waratahs last week. The travel's going to play a factor, but they, they'll be brimming with confidence. Yeah, I think they'll win that one tomorrow as well. I think their confidence is high. They've to travel, but so the, uh, you know, the Rebels are not a great team. And I think the Kings are playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger. And with a bit of luck, a couple more results could have gone their way in Australia. So, yeah, I think the Kings got to be favourites to win that game, which is not something that the Kings generally <laughs> have in their favour is going into matches as favourites. So great for them, and I really hope they do win it because they're showing great spirit and fight, aren't they? And, you know, good organisation. They've got some good individual players, and they've got a good structure and seem to have a lot of confidence under coach Dion Davids. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Sharks uh, travelled to South America. They were rubbish last week. They're going to have to be a lot better <laughs> if they want to beat the Jaguars at home. <laughs> absolutely, they were. Rubbish, couldn't have said it better myself. That was possibly the worst game of rugby I've ever watched in my life. And the, and the Rebels contributed to that. But, yeah, I, and it's a tough place to go to Argentina to win. I know the Jaguars have been in South Africa as well, and they've also had to travel back. But it's their home ground. I can't see the Sharks winning that one. It's a tough place to win. It's a big game in the context of their pools as well, because those two sides look like they're competing for second place in Africa too, which will be good enough to get into the playoffs. So it's a massive game, and, you know, it's massive for the Jaguars because it's a home game for them, and they have to win it against their closest rivals for that other playoff spot. So I can't really see the Sharks getting away with that one. 
Let's hope the standard of rugby this weekend is better than last weekend because last week was dismal. And then on Sunday, Brumbies up against the Blues. Uh, early Sunday morning, South African time should be a, a fabulous game as well. I'm picking the Blues there. The Aussie teams have also been horrible this year. So, uh, Craig, great. Thank you very much uh, for your time this evening. Enjoy the rugby tomorrow, and let's hope it's a better one for the South African teams. Thanks, Brad. Chat to you soon. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, it is another Formula One weekend this weekend as well. And uh, the racing got underway a little bit earlier on in Russia. The Russian Grand Prix taking place on Sunday. The first two free practices, uh, as always, on the Friday. And we join now by our Formula One correspondent, Natalie Leclue. Natalie, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, another Formula One weekend. More racing action to look forward to. And how did things uh, look on day one? Well, it looked pretty good for if you were a Ferrari fan because, of course, Kimi Raikkonen topped the first free practice session and then Sebastian Vettel did the same little bit later on in the afternoon. And i got to say, the pace that Ferrari turned uh, today was quite eye-catching. Mercedes-Benz seemed to struggle a bit. Now, that could be down to the tyre compounds on offer this weekend, which will be ultra-soft and the super-soft. There is another compound on offer, the soft tyre, but we're unlikely to see that one used. And historically, Brad, what's happened when we've seen this combination uh, of compounds is that Mercedes, this has been a weakness for them, whereas it's been a strength for Ferrari. Interesting indeed. Uh, Natalie, as far as the, the track goes, what, what, what can we expect? I don't know much about this, uh, this track. Tell us, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, of course, the such autodrome is situated. It's quite a picturesque. Even if you're just watching it on television, it looks quite a stunning uh, venue. Of course, situated in the Olympic Park, where the Winter Olympics took place in 2014. So it runs around the Olympic Park with the beautiful snow-capped mountains in the back of it. The Sochi Autodrome is uh, about 5.8 kilometers in length, second or third only to uh, the likes of Singapore and Spa on the calendar. Lots of 90-degree corners and some very long straights, which, of course, makes it quite a power-dominant circuit. That, of course, means it's going to play into the hands of Mercedes, who have won all three races that have been hosted at this venue so far. As far as the, the rest of the program, what, what are we looking time zone-wise, and, and how does it relate to South Africa for, for P3 qualifying and then race on, on Sunday? It's a pretty comfortable time zone, a time relation to South Africa. The third pre-presentation is, of course, the one-hour session. takes place 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then, of course, the two-hour break to qualifying, which takes place at 2. And then, of course, Sunday's race also taking place at the same time at 2 p.m. Happy days, so no need to wake up early or stay up late. Uh, it sounds great. So a couple of things uh, happening sort of off track as well. Uh, there's been talk this week uh, about the, the safety shields coming in place of, of the halo. Tell us a little bit about uh, the thinking there and, and, and what's the story. Is it happening? Is it still, uh, still on the drawing board? Yeah, you'll remember, of course, that the halo, the concept of the halo head protection system was introduced a couple of seasons ago, um, and it was still in the, in the development phase, but... People didn't quite like the look of it. You know, there was some criticism about it. And then Red Bull, of course, last year came up with the idea of to run a shield instead of the halo protection system. Now, in China, earlier this year, the drivers were given a briefing and they were shown the potential uh, shield that may be introduced in 2018. Uh, earlier this week, the FOM and the FIA and some of the head honchos of the Formula 1 teams had a strategy meeting and they have confirmed that there will be dumping the halo and going for the shield instead. 
They haven't quite confirmed whether it's going to be introduced in 2018, but we at least know that it is going to be a shield, which, of course, comes with its own challenges. Off the top of my head, no pun intended, some of, some of the challenges that I can think of is visibility. You know, we know Formula One cars, when it's raining, visibility is very low. So I don't know how that's going to work well with the shield. Yeah, it is interesting indeed, and obviously safety is is a major issue. I just uh, I have to chuckle to myself where where teams are are saying it doesn't look good. So surely looks are secondary to keeping a driver alive in a in a high speed crash. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself, Brad. Of course, you know the whole uh, uh, issue surrounding the, the driver's head and the being uncovered or covered came about as the very tragic, with a very tragic death, of course, of Jules Bianchi after he crashed in that Suzuka Grand Prix during the wet conditions and, of course, sustained those fatal injuries uh, to his head. So while it may not look very good, safety is the absolute paramount and the and the very first thing that must be taken into consideration. And I'm sure, just like all other changes that we see in Formula 1, that we'll get used to this one too. Yeah, absolutely. And then as far as the standings go, how are things looking from the drivers and, and constructors' uh, point of view? Well, it's certainly quite close between Ferrari and Mercedes, of course. We see Sebastian Vettel having won two of the first three races of the season, leading Lewis Hamilton by seven points. But I think we've got to look for Valtteri Bottas and Kimi Raikkonen to step it up somehow this weekend, because they're trailing quite a bit, uh, of course, behind their two illustrious teammates. And then can you believe it? For the first time in, in quite some time, uh, exactly how many years it's been that since Ferrari has led the Constructors World Championship, uh, I can't quite remember the last time they did that. I think it's got to be all the way back in 2008. But they lead Mercedes at the moment in the Constructors' standing. And Russia, while it may not be the most exciting race on the calendar, still 25 points on offer and 25 very important points on offer. Yeah, that it is. Natalie Leclerc, thank you very much. Uh, you'll be chatting to John Kerricker tomorrow and Sunday afternoon on SAFM Sports Special. So uh, if you're into Formula One and you want to keep an ear on what's going on in Russia, make sure you stay tuned. Natalie, thanks for your time. Enjoy the racing this weekend. Go well, Brad. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM. And as you heard in our sports updates at the top of the show, two matches look forward to in the absolute premiership tonight. A big one with Mamelodi Sundowns, who could possibly go top if they beat the Montville Golden Arrows. Bidvest Vitz away from home against Highlands Park as well. But looking ahead to Sunday, IX Cape Town hosts Platinum Stars in a must-win match at the Cape Town Stadium. It's a battle between 10th and 11th on the league, with both teams sitting on 26 points. A victory could move either the team further away from the relegation zone. Ajax coach Sandy Menzo says it is a must-game win for his team. Well, as we all know, uh, all the games we play at this moment are all finals. And, um, well, we not decide, but when we play home, I think we have to go for the win. And uh, the moment we win our home games, then uh, I think uh, we'll be okay. It won't be easy, but that's the... That's what we are looking for to win our home games. And away, everywhere you can gain some points, win some points, and try to get them. So that's uh, our objective uh, for Sunday. Just win. It's a home game. Um, we still have all in our hand, but we have to win. 
It was away against Iquena last year that Menzo picked up his first win as Ajax coach, and they're a good team. But he says both teams are under pressure to pick up victory, but he feels that Ajax need to just focus on their own game and the result will come. Well, when we played there, we played, uh, we played I think, very good first 60 minutes, and after that we, we, we dropped a little bit. Uh, KB1, 3-2, 2-3. What's the squad with... Uh, a good squad. Um, I think a squad who can chase you 90 minutes, be on your tail for 90 minutes. Uh, a squad who can play football, but they also can play very direct. So it won't be an easy game. They also didn't won, I think, the last matches in the league. And yes, they also know that if we win, that uh, we will go, we will uh, come close to them or go over them. Now come close, I think. So uh, they also need a win, and they also uh, um, have to stay away from that zone. On the other hand, they still in the competition, and you see that that gives a little bit more pressure uh, and, and, and weakness. And let's hope that we can um, take advantage of that because uh, they played Wednesday, and they're still in the in the in the cup. So um, two things: not the biggest team. Uh, Again, it's all on, uh, on our side, how we approach that game, how we go in that game, how we uh, uh, play that game, uh, to not give them a chance and, and, and show that we want to win. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about us at this moment. The Dutch coach says that there are no real concerns playing again after their 2-0 loss to Mamelodi Sundowns on Tuesday. It's just a case of managing the players correctly. Um, it's not really worried uh, because uh, as staff we have to manage that uh, in, in the load of training so that um, that won't be a, a physical problem um, and mentally I think it will also be fine because what you just said the first 60 minutes uh, we were very competitive um, against uh, sundowns but again that game is gone um, totally new opponent uh, and of course pressure, but um, we know what we have to do and we know what we want to do. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's actually it. The former Ajax Amsterdam goalkeeper says he has a good feeling about their chances this weekend. He says the team's been training well and he believes a good result is on the cards. Yeah, I trained this morning and I, again, and... Uh, even after the Tuesday, I have a good, mo- I have a good feeling and of course there will be some things happening that's normal in a, in a team where who's, who's uh, fighting uh, to, to, to get up but I don't have I have a good feeling um, we train well um, and the problem can be that if you have 20, uh, 25 uh, players who are, uh, are fit that of course you will have players who, uh, who think they have to play or uh, who want to play and that's good as long as they, um, they keep in mind that it's, it's, it's for the team it's not about them it's, it's, it's about the team so I have a good feeling uh, um, but the moment I see them in front of me um, yeah I have, I have a good feeling Menzo says this isn't the first time he's coached a team battling near the bottom of the league. Says that as long as they stay focused, keep their discipline and remain positive, they will get out of the situation. 
de laatste half jaar hij ook took over het team in Holland. Het was een top amateur team in de same situation. En ja, het is all about getting a good spirit, uh, good structure, um, um, good um, afspraken, um, agreements, and how we're gonna do it, and and all stick behind it. And I, I, I'm I'm convinced that this team, we don't have the, the best players of the league, and we all know, but with a good mentality, with a good discipline. We don't have to play uh, in this song we are playing at this moment, and that's the fight actually. Uh, keep the discipline, keep the the structure, keep the spirit, the fight. Uh, we, we had, I think, against uh, Sundowns the first 60 minutes, the whole 90 minutes against uh, Golden Arrows. As long as we can keep that, I'm not afraid for for negative results, and we'll get our points. SFM and Birchett Hotel invites you to the much-loved Ekurele Comes Alive Jazz Evening on Friday the 5th of May, Birchett Hotel, East Rand. The evening promises a lovely blend of jazz and comedy. Sapatsula will be gracing the stage as he gives us a tribute to San Komorta. He will be supported by Budaza and the opening act will be Nzoki. Jazz Buddha and Tevo will be entertaining us with some comedy. Tune in to SFM and stand a chance to win two VIP tickets and one night accommodation for you and your partner. For bookings, visit www.virtualhotel.co.za or call 011-897-0000. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. But they saw his dazzling glove and potential. And he has his first major league hit. At 2.49 South Africa time, Gipton Gope has made history. Well, that was an historic moment. It took place early hours yesterday morning in Major League Baseball, and it was uh, South African Gift Mkwepe who became the first African-born player to make his debut in the Major League Baseball. He started for the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday against the Chicago Cubs. They ended up winning that game 6-5, uh, and what a fantastic start to, to uh, a Major League career that uh, has been a long time in the coming. Uh, I've got some details on uh, where young Gift and Gwepe came from. 27-year-old Paul Aquane-born uh, baseball player who was exposed to the game very early on. But uh, speaking after the match uh, that they won, just mentioned how much it meant uh, to South Africans back home. It means a lot to people back home. I'm, I've been getting messages all day from my friends and family, uh, people that always supported me back home, people that play baseball. So I've had a tremendous crowd from South Africa cheering me on and, you know, be, being very happy for me. Um, it means that it doesn't matter where you come from. And um, no matter where you are, who you are, you can still make it, no matter, you know, what country or anything like that. You know, there's no separation from, you know, culture or, or anything like that. The pictures of his uh, Major League debut were emotional ones uh, for Gifton Gwepe. His teammates really just going out there and uh, enjoying his performance and, and living vicariously through him, who was uh, doing something really, really big for the first time on uh, in the baseball world. Um, I was holding it back. Uh, I was like, you know what, you gotta, you got to be, you, you know, you're in the big leagues, you've got to be a big guy. And uh, so really came up to me and, 
you know, hold my chest and my heart just started beating a little bit faster when he held it and then, you know, JD fouls it too and, you know, he's like, a, you know, we live for this kind of moment and that just kind of eased me, every, you know, eased me knowing that they've been through that situation before. Nguepa's background is an interesting one. Uh, as I mentioned, born in Polokwane, his mother ended up moving to Johannesburg when uh, Gifn Nguepa was uh, fairly young. And he worked, or she worked, for the Randberg Mets at the baseball club. And they lived in a small room right next to the clubhouse. And uh, her disposition within the clubhouse, she was nicknamed Happy. And a uh, fantastic story of a young Gift starting out playing baseball at a very early age. And it wasn't long before his talent was realized. And uh, he was the best player that was playing in Randburg. He was spotted and uh, was sent to a camp in Italy where he was eventually signed. He spent the last eight and a bit years in the U.S. playing in pretty much every single level uh, of baseball, starting out in the minor leagues and has worked his way up and uh, has now made it into the big time. The first African-born player ever to play Major League Baseball. And uh, he says uh, it's, his debut is something special. We finally have someone from Africa that made it to the big leagues. Um, you know, representing my country and my continent, being here, I mean, them pushing me every, each and every single day is awesome. Um, support and love from them. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. That is one of the coolest stories. Uh, still cannot get over it. And uh, I think it's one we need to be singing from the rooftops. Uh, proudly South African we are. And well done to Gifn Kwepe. Fantastic, fantastic performance. And uh, may you have a long and illustrious career uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's about it for SAFM Sports Rant tonight. Before I go, just a, a quick cricket update for you. That match in the IPL, the Kings Eleven Punjab chasing 208 for victory against the Sunrisers Hyderabad. They are struggling. Struggling a bit, they 72 for the loss of three after 8.2 overs. Need another 136 runs off 11.4 overs with seven wickets in hand. So that is a big ask. 208 in 20 is a, a huge target to chase down. A bit earlier on, the Delhi Daredevils losing by seven wickets to the Kolkata Knight Riders. Coming up this weekend here on SAFM. Uh, don't forget to tune in on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. John Herricker brings you SAFM Sports Special. They'll have Super Rugby for you. I'll keep you up to date with all the absolute Premiership action, as well as what's going to be going down at uh, the Russian Grand Prix this weekend. So make sure you stay tuned. Saturday, 3 to 7. Sunday from 4 to 6. More sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. If you have any comments or queries, questions, suggestions, you can email sport at safm.co.za. From myself, Brad Brown, and my entire team in Joburg this evening, thank you so much for listening. Right now it is 7 o'clock, and Musa has your news.